Welcome to the Love Lab Podcast, a safe place to get real about sex. Whether you're a man, woman, single, or couple, this is the show for you. Because, well, sex matters. We are your hosts, Kevin Anthony and Celine Remy. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to the Love Lab Podcast. This is episode 17. And this one is going to be really fun. Actually, I think they're all really fun. But this is our first episode where we get to answer actual listener questions. So we're very excited about this. I'm so excited. I was just telling Kevin before we, as we got ready for this episode, how when I was a kid, I always thought that I would be on the radio someday. And I always wanted to have a show where I could take in questions. And I was like, today's the day. Today's the day where this dream is finally becoming a reality. And that's all because of you. Uh, So thanks for listening and thanks for sending us your questions. We love them. And so keep them coming. Absolutely. And if you don't remember how to ask us questions, you can either go to thelovelabpodcast.com and that's where you can find all of our episodes uh, in addition to all of the other places, iTunes, YouTube, (laughs) Google Play, Stitcher, all those places. Um, So you can leave us a comment there. You can also email us directly at support at the Love Lab podcast. of course, you know, um, on the um, when you go to our website, there's a form uh, that you go through to send us the question and you can give us as much information as you want. We can keep your information private or we just share your first name. So, um, yeah, it's a safe place. All right. We're going to dive in. I'm going to read the first question here. This is a question that so, so, so many men have. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so this question comes from listener Calvin. And what he says is, I love to give oral sex. I can make it my entire night to give my wife pleasure. Everything about it makes me want to do it often and well. I think I do well with it as I often bring her to climax two to three times. That's not the problem. Aha, okay, so what is the problem? He continues, me giving it is not the problem. Me getting it is. When we first met, my wife loved my cock. She would go down on me and give me head every time we started to have sex. Sometimes she would just give me oral when she saw I was stressed to help relieve my stress and relax me. She was willing and able. Over time, the frequency diminished to the point that if I get two minutes of oral a year now, I'd say it was a good year. So my question is, how do we get our wives to give us blowjobs again? Wow, Calvin, I'm pretty sure you're not the only guy. No, no, you're not the only guy at all. You're in a big group. Well, if you haven't done it yet, you have to listen to our 30-day blowjob challenge episode and maybe listen to it with your wife and see if she gets inspired. Um, But that's not really the only thing. That's just the first thing that came up to my mind. You know, it's a deeper question because if... She used to love it when you started your relationship. That means she does love it on some extent, on some level. And something happened in her life that now she's not as into it. But is that that she doesn't love to give oral sex? Or is it that she is overly stressed and busy with life, with kids, with stuff that it just... She doesn't have the energy for it anymore. There are actually a lot of reasons why this might change. 
Um, and they could be anything. So one thing that we notice, and, and this may not be the case uh, with you, Calvin, but one thing that we do notice is that as men age, most men tend to not take as good care of their self, their hygiene, the way they look, the way they smell, maybe the way they taste. So one potential issue here is, you know, are you still as young and fresh and clean and maintained as you were 20 years ago when you got married? Mm-hmm. Right? You, you got to make it a pleasurable experience for her to want to be down there. Mm-hmm. So that's one possible thing, you know, check in. Have you, have you done any manscaping? We did a whole episode on grooming, grooming <laughs> and, and what women like. So mm-hmm. make sure you listen to that episode and maybe you can pick up some tips there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's one potential area is just making it in, uh, a, a good place for her to want to be. The other place is to start to communicate. And so always saying like, communication is lubrication and what is going on you know maybe she's forgotten you know when you've been in a relationship for a long time you sometimes just get into a routine and then that's things that you don't go the extra miles anymore because you're married and that's just because you don't put energy into it exactly and we also did a whole episode on how uh, what did we call it? It was something about how to how to keep it going uh, in the long run, mm-hmm. right? So I don't remember the how exact... How to keep the sex alive in the long run. Yes, yes. <laughs> right. So again, if you've been in a relationship for a long time, it might not just be the oral sex that is kind of sliding. It might be sex in general or all the things that you're used to do. Mm-hmm. And so what's important too is, is to have an honest conversation of, I love when you talked and you said she would just do this to help me de-stress and relax. And so maybe it's to remind her of, wow, you know, like even a five minutes blowjob can like bring me to such heights and, and help me relax. And then I can be here for you more and I can love you better. And so have having that conversation of like, you know, I would really love this or this is important to me. Like you need to speak up. Yeah, the communication is huge because if she's not necessarily inspired herself to do it, it doesn't mean that she's not going to do it if you ask nicely. Mm -hmm. So the question is, do you actually ask for it? And if you do ask for it, how do you ask for it? Mm -hmm. You know, do you say, uh, you know, you haven't given me a blowjob in like six months. Like, can I, can I, can you please just give me a blowjob? Like, that's not a good way to ask for it. Mm-hmm. But you could say, oh, honey, remember those days when you used to give me blowjobs and it would get me so turned on and, and it just made me want you so much. Like, you know, mm-hmm. come up with a good way to like ask nicely and politely and inspire her to want to give you a blowjob. And also maybe be curious and ask her, what do you need from me to be able to give me blowjobs? Because you might be surprised. She might be like, well, I need to have the dishes done every night. (laughs) It might not be something sexual. She might be lacking on her love, uh, you know, bank account. Like she might be like depleted and she might be like, I need to be held more often. I need to be told I'm beautiful. I need to be appreciated more for when I do it. You know, like, do you like shower her afterward with appreciation for having done this? Like there's a lot of things there. So maybe it might be something simple that she needs from you that you can as well give. Now, 
Calvin actually had two questions, mm-hmm. and I think that the second question that he has may also pertain to the first question. Correct. So I want to I want to preface that before we go into his second question. So his second question is, what is normal sex post-hysterectomy? He says, men have a hard time understanding the whole process, and we feel like, okay, problem solved when the plumbing gets fixed, uh, for whatever reason it does. Women have a much longer process, both physically and mentally, to go through after they have their uterus taken out. So the, the, the gist of that question is like, wow, things aren't the same anymore since a hysterectomy. And so what is normal? Like, how, is it normal for a woman to not want to have sex? Is it normal for her to want to have sex? Do things go back to the way they were before? Are they forever different? Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. So I'm going to give you the perspective from a woman's perspective. I have not had a hysterectomy, so I can't say that it's personal experience, but I was trying to put myself into those shoes. And definitely there's something that needs to be said that having your uterus removed and even ovaries, sometimes they remove it all partially, whatever that is, it's a very invasive surgery. And when you get your uterus removed as a woman, this is also really a very, very feminine place. So there might be issues too about like what defines you as a woman, what makes you still a woman, are you still attractive, depending on the the scarring that is left. The other part to remember is that anytime we have a surgery, it is traumatic it's a traumatic experience for the body even if it goes well because you had to cut through tissues you had to remove organs there and the body needs time for healing but the mind as well and when there's trauma that occurs often sometimes actually two things can happen one is sometimes it's so traumatizing that we fully disconnect from our bodies and then there's like down there doesn't exist because that was the seat of trauma and I don't even think about being sexual or anything like that anymore. Or it could bring more awareness to the area because there's a lot of pain or discomfort. And even when there's touch that's involved or penetration because the tissues hold the memory, when there's a stimulation, it could bring up some really deep emotions that come up and sometimes it's overwhelming you don't even know why you have a deep anger or sadness or a pain that comes up and so then you start associating having sex with this really overwhelming emotional sensations and it's not that pleasant then it's kind of like oh I don't really want that So I think what is important for men to understand in regards to what you just said is that there's a significant emotional component to Mm -hmm. having this surgery. There's all kinds of things about questioning whether or not you're still a woman and, you know, all this, uh, like you said, emotion that might come up as a result Mm -hmm. of it that that the woman maybe didn't even know was down Mm -hmm. there. Um, And then, of course, there's the physical, right? So. Now, of course, there are many different types of hysterectomies. There's there's partials and there's full, and then there's one called radical. And, and like so depending on what they did, did they remove the ovaries, did they not? They, all of those differences can really have an effect. But regardless, if we just kind of speak generally about it, like Celine said, it's a massive physical trauma. And so not only is there a certain amount of time needed for healing, uh, the physical, but there's also 
uh, probably even a much longer time needed to heal the psychological, the emotional. Mm -hmm. And then there's also the part of like your hormones are going to be different if you had many things removed that um, might not produce the hormones that you usually had in the body, which could put you into havoc. And unless you're doing hormone replacement therapy, it could also be really uh, a lot of mood swings or things that you don't even have control over as a woman. And, yeah, depression yeah. is often something that happens after a major surgery like that. Yeah. Um, and part of that might be psychological, but part of it may be hormone driven. Yeah. So um, it's a potential uh, therapy for that yeah. would be hormone replacement therapy, which could kind of bring you back. But aside from all of that, I, I do want to make the point, too, that you can be back to your normal sex mm -hmm. life post hysterectomy. So, yeah. you know, some women, they can go right back and it's like, Whew, OK, here mm -hmm. we are back to normal again. And, and some might have a longer road. But so the question was, you know, what's normal? Well, it's all normal, right? Mm -hmm. It's normal to have a long road and to have emotions and things come up. And it's normal maybe to just, you know, jump right back on the horse. Mm -hmm. So none of it is necessarily abnormal. Mm -hmm. It's just what is the particular journey that, that your wife or mm -hmm. your partner is going through and then, you know, figure out how to adjust from there. For sure, there's going to be an adjustment period. I can see that she might feel more insecure, might need extra attention, reassurance, that the lovemaking might be different because maybe it's not driven the same or the response in the body is different. And so maybe there might be a need for something that's more tender, soft, loving. It might be a really good time to start to explore like ancient tantric lovemaking things and you know like also the art of like slowing down and love making that doesn't move much but where you move energy and you gaze into each other's eyes i mean there's a whole genre here of something beyond just the physical uh, that can be explored so that might be actually a chance to up level and upgrade your sex life all right mm -hmm. well something would you like to read the next question, which comes from listener Andrew? Yeah, I'd love that. So, Andrew is asking, what do you think have been the factors or causes as to why millennials are less sexually active in this generation? And you think there are more adult virgins in this generation than before. I'm assuming that it used to be the norm to lose your virginity in your teens, but it looks like it's more common to enter 20s, 30s, or more as a virgin. What have been the causes for that? I'm sorry if I'm asking too much. If this something you think would be really awesome to talk on your show, well, yes it is, and that's why we are answering it. <laughs> Oh, okay. So um, this is a deep question and it mm -hmm. comes up a lot. Um, there's tons and tons of stuff that's been written out there about millennials. First, let's just say the statistics actually do show that millennials are having less sex mm -hmm. and that the statistics actually show that they're having less sex than their grandparents had. <laughs> now, most people don't think of their grandparents as necessarily being very sexual. And I mean, I'm, I'm not a millennial. I'm actually older than that. Um, so my grandparents are probably even another generation back from, from some of the millennials grandparents, but, you know, we always tended to think of them as, uh, not having very much sex, not being maybe all that sexually free, right? We have this 
idea in our minds that today we're so much more sexually free and we do all that. Mm-hmm. First of all, bullshit, mm-hmm. right? They just didn't talk about it in public. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, is there was a whole lot of it going on mm-hmm. all the time and all kinds of crazy kinky shit too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so let's just say that. But the statistics really do bear out um, that millennials are having less sex. So the question is why? I think that we live in a world where we are thinking that we are so connected because we have all these devices, all this technology that allows us to talk with people all over, which in a sense it does. And at the same time, I have noticed that people have less ability to truly connect with another human being. So over the years, I've been in having a private practice for just about seven years now. And I've noticed that even my clients are getting younger and younger. So what I'm noticing is that people don't know how to deal with issues anymore. People have a difficulty to really create a connection that's really fulfilling. So sure, they feel that they're connected because they're on social media, but that's not really what truly what intimacy is all about. And so even when you go and you see couples on a date and uh, they're both outside of the, like eating out and they're on their phone, they're not talking, they're not bonding and connecting. And if you don't have those moments of intimacy, of connection, it doesn't lead to having sexual intimacy because you don't have the precursor of that. Yeah, that's definitely an issue. This... this um sort of modern phenomena Mm -hmm. of actually being less connected when we think we're more connected. Mm -hmm. Something else that I would add to it, um, especially since he's asking specifically about, uh, is it normal to lose your virginity at a later date? Mm -hmm. I can say I don't actually know what the statistics say about the average age when... um, teenagers or adults or, or whatever lose their virginity. So that, that might be something interesting to, to actually research. But I can tell you this from watching the younger generations and watching my own nieces, they are so busy today. Mm. They don't have a moment of free time. And one of the things that we even hear from clients who are older is, I don't have time to even date. That, mm-hmm. That's what people will tell us. So I'm watching high school kids. You know, it used to be you know, when I was in high school, you didn't even think about college until maybe like junior year. And that's when people were starting to tell you that, well, you should start thinking about where you want to go and blah, blah, blah. Nowadays, to get into a good school, the requirements are such that you have to start planning for the second you step into high school because you got to make sure you have all the extracurricular activities. You got to make sure you take all the AP classes. You got to make sure you fill out all the applications. You got to do all these things for years prior. And I watch these kids' schedules are packed <laughs> from the moment they get up until the moment they crash exhausted in bed. Now, there's all kinds of other negative side effects to that. But that pattern continues Mm -hmm. on as you get older. And you're watching these young people. They are completely busy. They're completely overwhelmed. They're actually stressed out, Mm -hmm. like majorly stressed out. They don't have any time to date and they don't actually learn any dating skills. Skills, And so they're completely unprepared Mm -hmm. 
when they do finally have the time or make the time or start mm-hmm. to go out on dates. So this puts them really at a disadvantage yeah. where they don't have the skills and mm-hmm. they don't know what to do about it and they haven't had the past experience. Mm-hmm. Something else that I do see happening too is that it seems that we're talking more about sex than we did before, but I also think that there's more fear associated with it. And so a lot of the education that they're getting is here are the sexually transmitted disease you're going to get if you have sex. So abstinence only. So the whole sexuality is filled is with so much fear. Yeah, that that's a big one. You know, you, you think that we are more sexually liberated today than we no. were in the past. Yet if you look at the sex education people are getting, the schools are literally funding abstinence only. Mm-hmm. That's all they teach you. Mm-hmm. So when you don't know things, it's the unknown, it's scary. You don't understand it. And so what you don't understand, you don't want part of. And so then it's kind of this whole thing of like trying to get information. Um, and unfortunately, the way that a lot of younger people get their information from is from the internet through uh, porn and so then it kind of changes a lot their view of sexuality. And if your first experience of sexuality is through viewing porn, you might find it hard to rejoice and find, you know, what's awesome in, in real sex, because you're probably not going to have your very first sexual experience with having six different girls that you're going to have sex with, or like things like what you've seen, or have somebody who wants you to ejaculate all over their faces. So uh, that might be a little bit of a setback. <laughs> <laughs> Porn has its place, but it's not the place to learn sex education. No, it's entertainment. It's entertainment. It's entertainment. Exactly. So yeah, use it to like help you find what you like, what you would like to try. But yeah. So and and there's one more piece to this that that I think is really huge when it comes to why millennials are having less sex. And this is going to be a show all in and of itself mm-hmm. at some point. But mm-hmm. this is um, the lack of polarity. Mm. So one thing that we definitely see with the younger generations yes. is we see this push to try to eliminate gender. Mm -hmm. Now, I know there's going to be some people listening who are instantly going to get triggered by this, but there needs to be polarity. Mm -hmm. There needs to be somebody. It doesn't matter which person it is. It doesn't necessarily have to correlate to, you know, what chromosomes they have, (laughs) but somebody needs to be in the masculine energy and somebody needs to be in the feminine Mm -hmm. energy for there to be polarity and attraction. That's the spark that's the magnetism that makes you desire each other and want to have sex yeah yeah you can't just be this androgynous being um i i even saw things watching on youtube going down the rabbit hole of this young uh being that wanted to be a sexless alien and wanted to have his gentilias removed uh, because he didn't want to have any like sexual identity defined by what he had between his legs and so it was it was crazy like i just go like wow there's definitely a whole movement here and i don't think it's doing people a service at all so one of the big clothing designers had one of their big (laughs) fashion shows did you see this oh my god i don't remember which one it doesn't really matter but the point is is it was men's fashion and they had them all basically dressed like women yes And uh, so I saw this, and when I saw the comments underneath it, the women's reaction was like, this is horrible. I wish Mm -hmm. I could unsee this. Yes. Like, this is just tragic. 
And so this is part of the overall mm -hmm. uh, sort of social agenda that's been happening, where we're literally making men more like women and women more like men. And that completely destroys the polarity. Mm -hmm. And even not just that, but there is also kind of, I want to say, a war on the masculine, that there's some traits that we don't want. And whether they are expressed in a male or female, this is like, oh, you shouldn't be like... Uh, yeah, yeah, masculine. There's, there's, so, there's yes. a whole there's a whole idea right now that masculinity is toxic. Absolutely not no. true. We do not even have near enough time in this episode <laughs> to, get that. to get into it. Yeah. But yeah, there's nothing wrong with masculinity. Masculinity is great. It just has to be healthy masculinity. Yes. And that's all we so, have time for today. Andrew to had that. a second question to it because uh, we have two more questions. So I just want to see. Oof. It says like, it looks like it's only men who need to be the ones to know how to attract women or know how to get a date or into a relationship, but not the other way around. Because simply put, it doesn't look like women have to learn or know how how because women don't have to do the approaching or asking out or be the ones to initiate etc so that's interesting because i don't quite agree with that no and actually what i wanted to say is <laughs> is if you feel that the women aren't actually doing anything to attract you it's only because you're not aware of what's happening in the background so mm -hmm. celine tell us about an <laughs> average lunchtime with your girlfriends What do you talk about? Well, we talk about sex. We talk about men. We talk about how to, like, inspiring, how to get him to have more sex or, you know, things like that. And what kind of clothes or uh -huh. makeup or yeah. dates you went on or what you like when you're, mm -hmm. that your man wears or, mm -hmm. you know, so... What I would say to Andrew is that um, women absolutely are doing all kinds of things to attract you, but they're women. <laughs> and, and so what that means is it's got to be subtle, mm. right? So you may not see the outward manifestation of it, but trust me, mm -hmm. it's happening. Well, and that's, that's the art of it too, where we want to inspire you. We're doing actually a lot to attract you, to make us, to make you want us uh, through our behaviors, through what we were, through how we are. But it's also really nice to have a man doing the first step and doing the asking. But it's not the only case. I have a lot of women that are asking me, I, I have a YouTube channel and I make a lot of videos where, you know, it's like women like, shall I wait until he does the first kiss because he's not making it because a lot of guys are feeling a little bit shy about making the first step i get it it's a very highly charged climate and so you never know where you stand and so women are also doing that but it's really not about who does what when it's more like communicate show up like be like hey maybe it's not about like going to kiss her maybe it's about saying i'd love to kiss you or maybe it's about saying i'm attracted or like like verbally say something and then things open up <laughs> yeah and and nowadays it's far more common for a woman to make mm -hmm. the first move oh, yeah. it, when i was young that was not the case at all but it's far more common now Oh, and as you know, I'm an impatient woman. I never waited. Sometimes it was me, sometimes it wasn't me. <laughs> so, so to answer your question, women are doing lots of things, although 
they do at times prefer that you make that first outward step. But right. that doesn't mean that they haven't taken 20 steps to entice you to make that first outward <laughs> step. <laughs> so I like to think of it as a dance. It's a co-creation and it's a dance that you're doing together. And don't think of it, oh, I have to do all the work. Know that you're each doing your part and only do what feels good to you. Don't do something because you should. Do something because you're inspired to do so. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we have time for our last question. The last question, yes. And this one comes from a listener who asked for us to not share his name, so we are going to call him Shy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Shy says, I'm 17, I need some advice, please. I wear and smell girls' underwear and masturbate. I do it every day. I have never been with a girl. I prefer to masturbate and wearing girls' underwear. I also fantasize about my sister. Is this normal for boys? Okay, well, there's actually about four different questions <laughs> in that one question. Yes. So let's just try to take them one at a time. Mm-hmm. The first one is um, uh, he likes to wear and smell girls' underwear. So is that normal? Um. So. Yeah. So what I would say to that first is, um, what is normal, right? Mm-hmm. So we have to sort of define normal just quickly. So the basic definition of normal is is what the majority of people do, right? So mm-hmm. like, what do most young seventeen-year-old boys do? And then and then from there we can start to say, well, is that a normal thing mm-hmm. or not? So I would say that um, wearing girls' underwear is probably not what we would consider normal according to what most 17-year-old boys do. But that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with it. No. It just means that that's not what most people do. Now, if that's something that turns you on, that's something that you love, that's something you want to explore, I mean, that's just what it is. I've worked with a lot of people that had different kinks, and there's things from all over the spectrum. So you just need to be okay with what you like and what turns you on. Yeah, and and as far as the uh, smelling the girl's underwear, I would say that falls more in... It's getting closer to the normal realm, I think. Oh, yeah. Young boys full of testosterone dreaming about what it's like to be with a woman oh yeah oh i've had many boyfriend asking for underwear or i've caught several of them sniffing i mean this is really normal yeah and i even do this myself just to know like well how's how are things and there's a whole whole like tons of people that actually there's a whole industry on like selling used underwear and yeah, stuff there, like this. So there, yeah. There's a whole industry where women will wear underwear once or yeah. twice and then sell so, no. them on the internet. It's yeah. a whole thing, believe it or not. Now whether or not uh you saying you're seventeen and you masturbate every day and I'm like well, that's more than normal. That's my answer. And it's like, oh, only once a day? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right. So you're, you're a 17-year-old boy and you masturbate every day? Uh, yeah. <laughs> what 17-year-old boy doesn't masturbate I mean, every you're, day? You're like full of testosterone and it's like the hormones are driving you. It's like 100% normal to like want to masturbate and feel horny all the time, have erections like three to five times a day or 15 times a day. I mean, I've heard that all the time. I think, Kevin, you can answer that better because you're a guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, first of all, it's totally normal for a young, healthy, you know, male to mm-hmm. be masturbating regularly, potentially every day. I, I, I don't know what the normal frequency of like time, like how many times a day, yeah. but I, I can, I do remember, um, you know, just 
surveying my friends when we were young, there were tons of them who would masturbate multiple times a day. That that was pretty normal. Um, yeah. And then the, the last bit is uh, fantasizing about his sister. So, um, normal or not normal, who, who really knows? I'll say this. <laughs> I'll say that. Again, when you are a young male and you've got all these hormones raging, you are fantasizing probably about tons of different people, um, tons of different women. It's, you're probably focusing on your sister because she's somebody that's in your awareness or in your life day to day. You know, there's no way that we would recommend anything <laughs> further than, than, you know, you know, maybe you you find your sister attractive. That's fine. She's your sister. And just, you know, I would not recommend it going any further than that. Yeah. Um, but I have definitely, um, heard many stories of young boys fantasizing about their mothers or, you know, potentially their sisters or, yeah. you know, a fantasy is just a fantasy. What that tells me is that you are experiencing and going through like puberty and hormones and that it is time to start to explore sexuality, what you like, what you dislike. And, and that it's simply you need to find an outlet, a healthy outlet for you. And whether it's being able to be part of uh, discussions, forums, having real sex ads or you know, like reading different things about it. Like you just need to find that way of expressing. And like, you know, when you're like, Hey, I prefer to masturbate than being with girls. Well, you know, maybe it's time to start talking to girls, talking to women, like learning from other women. And like, it doesn't have to go anywhere, but just like being curious and learning from them. You're fascinated by them. So might as well study them, explore and learn. Yeah, you know, when you're young, you ju- you just gotta try stuff until you find out what you like and what you don't like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, we actually went over our time <laughs> with those listener questions, so um, please continue to send us questions. Again, you can go to the lovelabpodcast.com. There's a form you can fill out. You can send us your questions. Um, you can also email us directly at support at the lovelabpodcast.com. We love to hear the questions, and uh, if we get good ones, we'll, you know, from time to time, keep doing listener questions answered episodes. All right, we will see you next week. Bye. We hope you liked this episode of the Love Lab Podcast. If you enjoyed this show, leave a comment and share it with your friends. And if you want more, we have an entire digital library with the best sex tips and relationship advice at CelineRemy.com. That's C-E-L-I-N-E-R-E-M-Y.com. So join us in the sex vault to continue this adventure. Thanks for listening. And remember, you're amazing.